This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 813 with Natalie Silverstein. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 813. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Natalie Silverstein is an author, speaker, consultant, nonprofit founder, and passionate advocate for family and youth service. Her first book, Simple Acts, The Busy Family's Guide to Giving Back, was published in 2019 and was named one of the top books for parents who want to raise kind kids by HuffPost. Her second book, Simple Acts, The Busy Teen's Guide to Making a Difference, was published in July of 2022. She is the host of the award-winning podcast, Simple Acts, Big Impact, celebrating teen changemakers. She is also a sought-after speaker and has appeared on many popular podcasts and on the Today Show. Along with her husband, Jonathan, she's the co-founder of the Silverstein Foundations for Parkinson's with GBA, a nonprofit committed to finding a cure for Parkinson's disease in GBA mutation carriers. As a philanthropist, Natalie is a founding member of Impact 100 New York City, a women's giving circle, and she is a member of the Legacy Collective. I got so much out of this conversation with Natalie. I love her philosophy that the best way to feel more hopeful about the world while also adding more meaning to our own lives is to be of service to others. She's also brilliant and involving teens in this mission by offering manageable, actionable steps to help them start being of service in their communities. 
I know you're going to love this conversation and you're going to feel inspired to get started. And if you feel overwhelmed, never fear. In the show notes, you'll see a link to Natalie's Simple Acts Day-by-Day Planner for 2024. And this is just something that you can do, something little and achievable every day for the whole year to help families live life with purpose and kindness and just highlighting service opportunities year round and ways to be involved in your community year round. So if you're someone like me who likes like being able to check boxes and see lists and like have someone give you the ideas rather than trying to think of them on your own, that will be super helpful to you. And we have that all linked up in the show notes with all of Natalie's other fantastic resources. But I think you're going to love this conversation. So listen in to hear Natalie share how she found her passion for writing and serving her community in such a massive way at the age of 50. Her belief that our current generation of youth are huge leaders in service and contributions to communities. How raising kids who engage in service work creates grounded and grateful kids. The health data on volunteering. I thought this was so interesting. How it gives helpers high and contributes to physical and emotional health as well as increases life expectancy. How volunteering in the community decreases a teen's chance of engaging in risky behaviors. Creative ways to get your younger kids engaged in being of service to others how to engage teens and tweens in service work that is rewarding and meaningful to them and guided by their strengths, gifts, and passions. This part is so huge and so key because I know a lot of you are like, yeah, right, getting my teen to volunteer. Uh Uh-huh, that's funny. So (laughs) this part is gonna be key for you. And then also how having kids be of service deepens meaning and joy in their lives and brings more deep meaning and joy to their lives. So I think you're going to take away some really fantastic nuggets today. I'm so grateful for Natalie, the work that she's doing, and also the ripple effects that it's having as more kids are giving back to their communities. So with all that, please join me in welcoming Natalie Silverstein to the Shameless Mom Academy. Natalie, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. I am so happy to be here, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. This will be fun. We already had a fun little conversation about like how our choices around schooling and education are aligned. And we started talking about service-based learning and just like we're going to do, we're going to be able to dig into a lot of things around how we can be good community members and give back to our community and then raise kids who give back to the community, which I think will be really fun and valuable. Absolutely. That is my whole mission in life. That's all I care about talking about on these podcasts. So I enjoy doing it. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Absolutely. So let's dig in and tell us a little bit about your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Sure. Yeah. So um, I started out in healthcare. I have a master's in public health. So I did work in hospitals and managed care companies and that sort of thing. And I think what's interesting about that, Mm -hmm. just in terms of the slow of my life is sort of the pivot that my life took, you know, when I turned about 50 or so, um, when I started really writing and publishing and started my podcast. But I always had this sense that I wanted to do something where I helped people. And so I you know, throughout my education, my undergraduate, my master's degree um, in health policy, I knew I wanted to, I didn't want to be a doctor or a nurse, but I wanted to do something where I was um, working with others and helping to lighten the load and the burden of others. Um, and so I did that for, you know, 15 or 20 years. And then I started, I found my purpose and my passion um, in this work of helping families and teenagers and young people to find the spark, their purpose and passion in service. And so my writing started with really the work that I was doing here in my community. I'm the regional director of something called Doing Good Together. And that's a national nonprofit that has a terrific mission of just helping families raise kids who care and contribute. 
and that's based in Minneapolis, but I curate a listing of family-friendly volunteer opportunities here in New York City, and I just love that work. I've been doing it for about 10 years. Um, And so every single month, I put together this really robust list that is pushed out to thousands of subscribers, Um, and that really led to my first book and my second book. What I'm excited about right now is the work that I'm doing with teens. So my second book, which is Simple Acts, The Busy Teens Guide to Making a Difference, came out last summer. And after I published the book, it occurred to me that there were so many teens and young people out there doing just incredible work and no one's really talking about it. I feel Mm. like people think that this generation of teenagers and young adults are, um, they are suffering from a tremendous amount of anxiety and depression. And we could talk a little bit more about that and how I believe that service is one tool in the toolbox of helping people with those issues. But I think the kids today are engaged. They care really deeply about the issues. Um, they're super inclusive. They don't get hung up on <laughs> pronouns and all these other things that we all get hung up on. They care about the planet. They see an injustice and they get out there and they do something about it. And so in the process of writing the book and publishing the book, I met so many teens that were just doing incredible things. And I started following them on the rabbit hole of social media. And I'm like, you know what? I want to have a podcast that simply amplifies their stories, just a short conversation where I meet young people, tweens and teens who are change makers in the world. And how can I ask them to come on this podcast and just tell us how it started for you? What was the spark of this passion that you found your purpose, that you started doing this thing, whatever it is. And they tell their story and we talk a little bit about struggles that they might've faced and problems and how people can find out more. And I publish every week and I'll tell you something, it has been the greatest source of joy and it has given me so much hope because we are in such a bad way in this country. And I think, you know, we all just need to look to our young people to give us a little bit of positivity and optimism because they really do care. And I do believe that this generation can lead us to a a better future. Um, They are not apathetic. They are not staring at their phones all the time. I know it seems like that. And it may seem like that to a parent of teenagers. (laughs) I have two, I have a 22 year old and a 19 year old and a 15 year old. So I get it, but I actually think that they care. And if we give them a chance and we give them the tools, they can get out there and they can make a difference. Oh my goodness. I love everything that you just said. I want to go back to something you said (laughs) at the beginning of that, that I think is just important to touch on for our moms. And then I do want to dig more into our kids, but you said that you really started digging into this work when you were 50 and writing books when you were 50 and like really Mm -hmm. finding what you were passionate about. And I want to just highlight that because I think that sometimes we think that, especially, you know, for I'm 47, my son's 10, when we get to 50, we're like, okay, we've done the bulk of this child rearing thing. We're often in, you know, career wise, maybe feeling like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Like, have I done all the things I want to do, but can you make a change at 50? I don't know. Am I passionate? And I just love that you have done something that is like, you felt a spark, you followed that, that gut instinct. And it's led to really, really meaningful work that also has had, you know, really been legacy making work. And I think that it's important for us to hear those stories because I think sometimes as people, women who are approaching 50, like myself, it can be easy to think that, oh, like the best is behind me. And sometimes no, like there is so much potential and possibility, especially when you bring the wisdom of raising children (laughs) 
to the work that you're going to do. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And I wouldn't be doing this work now if I hadn't raised those kids, right? If I hadn't struggled with finding family-friendly volunteer opportunities in my community, which is how I came to doing good together, which is how I came to realize, huh, it seems like all of the parents in my community want this information. They simply don't know where to find it. And frankly, if we're being honest, they don't want to take the time to look for themselves. So people would start calling me. I became mm. like everybody's Rolodex, not to pull out an old lady <laughs> phrase, but like, you know, people would call me or email me or text me and say, you know, I have all this stuff to donate. Where shall I donate? My kid's having a birthday party. My kid's having a bar mitzvah. What can they do for a service project? I'm like, why are you asking me? <laughs> mm. <laughs> but apparently I became that source of information and I realized, huh, this gives me so much joy yeah. to connect people to this work. And this is like in my 30s, in my 40s, as I'm raising my own children and, and really trying to, again, raise good people in the world who appreciate all of the you know the resources that they have, all of their blessings, um, to keep them grounded and grateful for all of the things that they have. Um, service was, you know, I felt instinctively so important to the way that I was going to raise these kids. And it was clear to me that other parents felt the same way. And so I started speaking to groups and I started writing essays and articles. I was always a good writer. I always enjoyed writing, but was never paid to write. I had, you know, did writing in my work, but it's funny, like, you know, you find this thing that you're really good at and Hey, maybe this is something I could make a living at. Maybe I could actually publish a book. I also want to say this idea of manifesting, you know, it may be like a little woo-woo speaking it into existence, writing it on your list of things that, you know, your goals or your, whatever it is that you're trying for. Um, but really, you know, having something in mind that you want to accomplish and then not just saying, okay, I want to accomplish that and, and never, you have to take the action <laughs> to make it mm-hmm. happen. But I said to myself on my, I don't know, 48th birthday, I want to publish something, anything. I want to publish something that means something by the time I'm 50. And I took the steps to make it happen. And my first book came out in the spring of the year that I turned 50 that summer. So I'm just saying like, I've had this sort of magical journey of pivoting and really finding the thing that lights me up. And that gives me so much joy and that I love to share with others. And I feel really lucky in that. But it, you know, it took a lot of rejection and it took a lot of perseverance and just belief in the fact that what I have to say is important and that other people would benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love it so much. I hope our listeners, I know our listeners are just feeling some inspiration from that. I want to talk about the mental and physical benefits of service, because I think that like you being someone who's out there creating something that is like having these ripples of, you can't help but hear it in the way that you're speaking, that this has benefited and boosted your life in multiple Mm -hmm. ways. And that then shifts mental and physical health. Can you talk about why it's so important to flex our empathy muscles in order to benefit our physical and mental health. Absolutely. And why it's so important to start this work when kids are very young. Um, And so, because everyone says, oh, my kids are too young to serve in the community. And Mm -hmm. I say, that's absolutely not true. It really, it doesn't matter how old you are, how, you know, it's never too early. It's never too late to start. But I think we all know that the research is out there. It has been published in, you know, mainstream magazines, newspapers. You see it all the time on the news, but the, the research is super clear on this. Volunteers, by definition, feel better. They live longer. Older Mm -hmm. adults who volunteer in their communities live longer, (laughs) period, full stop. And that makes sense, right? They're not sitting at home sort of navel gazing. They are getting out. They're staying connected to other people. These are people who care for others. And we all know there's this helper's high, right? It's a physiological response 
that has been proven. It's just like a runner's high. So when you do something good for another person, you actually get an endorphin rush across your brain that makes you feel good. It lights you up. And every person on the planet has had this experience, right? When you make someone else's day, <laughs> when you make someone smile, when you ease their burden, when you feel their gratitude and their love coming back on you, you feel good. You feel better about yourself. And so it can be, we can get feel so hopeless and start kind of pitting ourselves and, and just circling. If you can get out of that headspace and get out there and help someone else, you will absolutely, I promise you, feel better. And the research shows this. So kids and teens who volunteer in their communities are less likely to engage in risky behaviors, full stop. And this has also been shown for kids who themselves would be considered at risk. So I want, I want to make that clear. As a person who studied public health, I just want to, I want to make sure that everyone understands that the research um, goes across socioeconomic status and whether a person is at risk themselves. Teens and, and young adults who volunteer in their communities are going to engage in less risky behavior, which is um, early sexual activity, drug and alcohol use. They're going to do better academically. They have a lower dropout rate, lower pregnancy, teen pregnancy rate. Um, kids that volunteer with their families with regularity are like three times as likely to continue to volunteer as adults. You know, by every measure of sort of emotional and mental health, volunteers are just happier and healthier and feel more connected to others. I mean, this, it makes sense, right? This is, it's totally logical that people who volunteer in the community are by definition just happier, healthy people. And so I don't know why we wouldn't want to give this gift to our kids and our teens, right? <laughs> like yeah. it's, you know, we want to make our kids happy and, and we want to involve them in so many different activities that are going to give them joy and stuff. This activity, volunteering in your community is all good. There is nothing stressful about it. It's just all for the good, right? And making someone else's day and potentially making a really meaningful connection with another person in your community, maybe an older person, someone who doesn't look like you, some, you know, I think this broadens people's horizons a little bit and opens up their lens and their perspectives. And this is so, so important in our world today. These are the kinds of adults that we want to raise, right? Who are compassionate and empathetic and who feel and understand the needs and concerns of others and can put themselves in other people's shoes. So, mm -hmm. you know, the research on this is, you know, is so obvious. Another little small um, factor that I love to talk about teens with teens is when teens volunteer with their peers. If you can get your teen to volunteer with a friend, they are so much more likely to want to continue to do that work. And it makes sense, right? It's a social activity and they yeah. do it together and they feel great and there's no stigma around it, right? Like we want to make it cool to go out there and volunteer in the community. And the way to do that is to get like-minded kids together and give them you know, something meaningful to do. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I love that. My son is 10 and I was just thinking, there's been times we've actually, I've looked into some volunteer opportunities and oftentimes 12 years, and we're going to get to age in just a minute, but yes. oftentimes there's like, you have to be 12 to start. Right. And I was like, oh gosh, by the time he's 12, he's not going to want to do this with my husband and I. <laughs> but I was mentally, as you were talking, I was like making a list of the friends that he would be willing to do these kinds of mm-hmm. things with. And also thinking about how with some of these friends, their social dynamic, I think would like bring so much more brightness to whoever yes. they're serving because they just have this, you know, the spirit between them because of their relationship or whatever. That's, you know, different than the spirit of a parent and a 12 year old. It's not always super positive, but it's also this positive peer pressure issue, right? Like, Mm -hmm. don't they say that you want your kids to hang out with, if you want your kid to be good in school or to be, you know, interested in academics, they should hang out with other kids who are interested in the same things, right? The good stuff spreads just like the bad stuff spreads. Mm -hmm. So I think if you find a group of kids who are really into it, it just, everybody gets more excited about it and wants to do this work. I totally hear you on the age thing, but the truth is there is 
you know, this is my whole mission in life is to help people find things that even younger children can do. And I, I really always push back on nonprofits that say, oh, you have to be 12 or you have to be 13, you have to be 16. I understand why they say those things. These are liability issues, et cetera. But oftentimes you'll say, oh, well, if, is it okay if I come and, and bring my child and stay with them? And they say, oh, sure, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did yeah. you think? I was going to drop my 10-year-old off right. and walk away? <laughs> some or, babysitting. Or, or can I sign a release form? Or is there mm-hmm. some other way that we can get involved? <clears throat> so there are ways around all of that as well. Yeah. yeah. So let's go into the age thing because I think this piece is really interesting and we're right there. So perfect segue. So at what age can parents start to integrate service to others with their kids? And are there, what are some of the creative ways to do this with younger kids? Yeah. So my first book was for families. So that was the um, simple acts, the busy families guide to giving back. And I literally had stuff in there that you could do, you know, almost with infants, right? Like I had a chapter on, you know, inserting kindness and and gratitude into, you know, the first birthday party or mm-hmm. uh, even a christening or whatever. And understandably, the child that, you know, him or herself is not involved in the service, right. but it sets a tone for your family, you know. Um, and I personally believe that this work is, if your family is just, this is part of how we move through the world with kindness and with gratitude and keeping our eyes, ears, hearts, and minds open to the needs of others. This kind of organically this mindfulness that organically comes down to the children, right? And so this is in the way that we move through the world with very young children. We make sure we put our trash in the barrel. We pick up trash off the street and and throw it in the barrel. We say thank you and please, and we hold the door. All of these things that, you know, obviously people want to teach their kids how to be good people. But I think that you can start as young as if your family is going to go out and do a service project and your child can be there in a safe way, bring your child, even if it seems like, they're too young, quote unquote, too young mm-hmm. to participate. Right. I also, in the book, talk a lot about sort of kitchen table kindness activities, right? If your kid is already sitting at the table waiting for dinner to be served, right? Like they do, <laughs> like it's a restaurant and you're cooking and they're just sitting there with their knife and their fork waiting for you to put the food in front of them. And there's a stack of paper there and crayons. They can be drawing or whatever, and you can do some printables online and you can create thank you cards for our active duty military. You can create Valentine's around Valentine's Day, and then you can write the message on that and you can send those to a local nursing home or to children who are hospitalized. You know, this is your child is already drawing and they can be drawing something or coloring something that can then be sent to someone who could use a smile, right? So I, in the book, I talk about a lot of different ways that you can incorporate service into the things you're already doing, right? So you're shopping in the grocery store and there's um, pasta or canned goods are on sale, kind of a two for one thing. So you take, you know, two boxes of pasta, even though you only need one and you create a separate bag that you then go and donate to the food pantry. And again, you go to the food pantry and you consistently go to the food pantry, even if your child doesn't really understand what the food pantry is. And at that, at some point, as they get older, you're going to go and volunteer there. And it's going to become just a part of their consciousness that this is what we've always done. You know, I spoke to a group of young mothers once about this exact topic and someone inevitably raises their hand and says, is seven too young? Is, you know, my kid's six and a half. Should I wait till they turn seven? And I thought to myself, like, you're going to wait till their birthday. And then all of a sudden they're magically going to be like magically it. ready. Right. I said, six and a half is fine. Six is fine. Five is fine. So let's talk about some things that you can be doing. And a, a young woman raised her hand and said, you know, I love what you're saying. And it's funny. I'm thinking back on my own life. 
And my family was, you know, super philanthropic and did a lot of community service. And we would go work in the soup kitchen on Thanksgiving, for example. And, and there were a variety of things that we did with regularity, but I don't remember when that started. Mm. I just know that we always did it. And I said, you just answered your own question, yeah. right? Because it was just a part of how your family operated. So you didn't say to yourself, oh, I'm seven years old now. We're going to go in and we're going to work in the soup kitchen. Yeah. Um, and that another very important point about that, particularly with young children, is to create traditions. And we know mm-hmm. this about all sorts of family traditions, but I'm a huge proponent of creating family service traditions. And so, you know, if your children are very, very young and they cannot volunteer in the soup kitchen on Thanksgiving, you can be decorating placemats that then get donated to the soup kitchen or the food pantry. You can be decorating the bags that they use to give out the turkeys at the food pantry. Again, you can be putting money into a little jar for Feeding America or whatever. You can have a gratitude jar in the center of the table. There are just a variety of things that you can be doing. And then as your kids get older and it becomes more, you know, possible for you to go out and actually do that hands-on direct service. So indirect service are the things that you do at home, creating the Valentines and whatever. And then direct service is what you can do out in the community and just get out there and start doing it as soon as possible. You know, you talked about your son and and getting a group of kids together. I love to suggest like, what if you just got a, a group of families together and did a beach cleanup or a park cleanup? And what that entails is literally getting garbage bags and gloves and those grabbers. Mm-hmm. And you go with a group of families Families, so your your kids have friends. You do the pe- the park cleanup or the beach cleanup, and then you have a picnic, and you yeah. pull out the soccer balls, and the kids play. Yeah. So now we've done something really good for our community. We've set an amazing example for other people who are watching and for our own kids. But we're here having a good time, and we're here with our yeah. friends, and that just makes it like it's not drudgery. You know, it's not right. this like oh we have to go do a park clean. Like we're going to go to the park, and right. first we're going to clean up, and then we're going to have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love all that so much. I want to give a couple examples of a couple little things that we've done. And these are things we did when Vinny was little. And it was like a way to have him like indirectly supportive, but being involved in decision-making. And I think mm-hmm. this is like the flexing of the empathy muscle. So we, when he was little, actually we started it before he was born doing adopt a family at Christmas and like getting yes. gifts and all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, then after he was born those first couple of years, it's like, well, what's he going to remember? <laughs> going and buying these gifts. But as soon as he was like, I don't know, two, three or whatever, it was just a matter of like having him at target with me and being like, this is for so-and-so and and this is for so-and-so we have the kids' names and everything. But then when he got to be like four and five and six, he was like, well, like we have to get them Legos. And I'm like, well, but like we have their list. It doesn't have Legos. And it was just giving him some perspective around like, how do you pick something that's for someone else and not for yourself? Exactly. Um, So we've done that a number of years and then making sure that when we go to deliver the gifts, it's not just like me running an errand on a Saturday where it's sandwiched in between a bunch of other stuff. It's like, Hey, you're going to help me load the car and we're going to go together. And that one in particular has been huge. I remember, I think it was when he was like seven or eight and he saw all these 12 year olds taking gifts out of the car and into the warehouse to where they organize them for adopt a family. And then they, from there, take them to the actual households. And he was like, when do I get to do that? And right. that's, I like got right. out and asked, I'm like, when did, and that's what they're like, well, when they're 12, but like he saw that process. So it, to your point around having tradition and flexing muscles, the other thing that we've done is outside of Trader Joe's here in one, the Trader Joe's that we go to, there's often there's like two or three women that kind of routinely are just like there collecting groceries with holding signs, like appear to be families in need or mothers in need. And 
So I'll go to them and I'll say like, is there anything particular that you need? And they might say peanut butter or bananas or something like that. So then when we're in the store, I'll say to Vinny, what, is there anything else that you think? And you know, they, she says she has three kids. What do you think right. the kids would like? And like pick out a couple snack things right. and then just put a couple things in a bag and drop that off. So it's been really just getting him thinking about things and Absolutely. thinking about others and thinking about other people's needs yep. has been something that we've done kind of in feeling this absence around like being able to like physically go into a you know location to be able to volunteer. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And these are all such great examples. You know, the whole grocery shopping idea, mm-hmm. and I mentioned this earlier, you can have a cloth bag in your car so that when you go and you have your reusable bags that you use for grocery shopping, and this is your giving bag. So again, mm-hmm. the, the pasta is on sale two for one or whatever, and you fill it over time. Maybe you can't fill it up at all in one trip, but then that's the bag that you bring to the food pantry and you let your child kind of, you know, any food pantry is going to welcome you if you're bringing totally. donation and they're going to let your child put, put the jars up on the shelf. Mm-hmm. But again, giving him agency and letting him make those decisions. I, you know, I talk a lot about doing a collection drive or, you know, going through your own closets, mm-hmm. you know, there are people need winter coats, Right. We all know these kids grow out of things so, so quickly, sporting equipment, those things. If you work with your child to look through his or her closet or your front hall closet, um, if you live in a place where it's cold and you know that that child doesn't fit in this coat anymore and you ask them, so out of these two jackets, which one do you think, you know, are you going to wear this one anymore? Do you think like, this isn't about you going through the closet and making the bags and then like taking them to the Goodwill or to a homeless shelter or to a domestic violence shelter or whatever. This is about working with your children so that they have this understanding of this is something that's gently used and it should be clean. It shouldn't be um, soiled. It shouldn't be torn. We would never do that. We wouldn't give something to someone that's like that we wouldn't want to wear, right? So it's a Mm -hmm. level of respect for the other person and let them have some agency. Let them be involved in the process, the entire process, no matter what it is. And that just gets them invested in it. And this sparks this little bit of, huh, there is somebody out there in the world could use this. And I I actually don't need it or want it anymore. So I'm going to go ahead and put it in the back for sure. I love that. So we've talked about the youngers and the youngers, like we can, you know, they're more easily manipulated (laughs) to be like, we're going to the store today or we're cleaning out the closet today. Let's talk about those who are less easily manipulated. (laughs) So how do we help our sometimes distracted, often disconnected teens and tweens to figure out their purpose and feel that kind of that you use the word ignite earlier or spark. Like mm-hmm. how do we get to that place so that we're not saying like, you have to do this and this is our right. family values, which feels right. like not like it might backfire. Right. Right. Again, if this work has been done since they're very young, they know that this is how we operate in the world. Right. So this should not be a big surprise to them. I always say when people says, how do you get your kids to do this? And I, I say, well, first let's kind of flip that narrative a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) How do we get them? So first of all, we ask our children, we instruct our children, we suggest or, you know, teach them a lot of things. We make them do a lot of things every single day. They should do their homework. They should make their beds. They should brush their teeth. There's self-care. You know, there are things that this is what we do as parents is we engage with them to teach them the way that they should operate in the world to take care of themselves and to be safe and all those things. So how is this any different, right? So we're asking them, we're engaging with them. We're suggesting to them that, you know, we are fortunate enough to have a roof over our heads and food on our tables and we have resources, we have time. We also tend to prioritize so, so much for tweens and teens, especially um, the sort of overscheduled child. That's a whole other podcast episode of (laughs) all of the things, I'm sure you've had many of them, all of these things that people do in service of 
making a child well-rounded or trying mm-hmm. to find their spark or their passion, which we think, you know, builds towards um, jobs and college applications and all of these things. You know, what if we said to our, what if we suggested and put on the table that serving others in the community is just as important as yeah. the tutoring, as the soccer, as the ballet, as the instrument, as the sports. You know, when people tell me they don't have time to volunteer with their families on the weekends, and I ask them how many hours on the weekend they spend in whatever sport it is that their kid is doing, <laughs> travel soccer or hockey <laughs> or gymnastics, don't tell me you don't have time. You yeah. have the time. You're just prioritizing something else. Mm. So what does that tell your child about what you value? Do you value their athletic prowess or their academic prowess if it's tutoring related? Or do you value for them the fact that they're a kind and generous and empathetic person? You know, there was this making caring common. It was a study that Harvard had done, you know, years and years ago. And there was this sort of gap between what parents said they cared about, that they wanted their kids to be, and what the kids were hearing <laughs> or what and they were right doing. Right there on, and what, right. So it was, you know, people say, oh, I want my kids to be just happy and healthy and they want them to be good and kind people. But in reality, what the kids are seeing, because it's what they're experiencing in their lived experience, mm-hmm. is the tutoring and the math and the practice and the musical instruments and all of those things. We have to actually have our actions line up with what we, mm-hmm. we say that we value. And so the way to do that is to engage as a family in this work. Again, don't say to your teen, you're going to go out and do these hours, right? Or you have hours that you have to do for school. That's another yeah. big thing. There's a whole chapter in my teen book about don't count the hours, make the hours count, right? Mm, it's like yeah. sign the paper, sign the paper because I have to have 30 hours to graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. So if we, again, to ignite this spark for teens, let's encourage them to look at the things that they're good at, that they enjoy doing, their talents, gifts, and skills. And I don't mean being an Olympic swimmer or a great gymnast or you know right. whatever. I'm talking about, are they patient? Are they great with little kids? Would they like to mentor and teach little kids? You know, is their handwriting really neat? Could they volunteer, you know, writing letters for the elderly who can't write anymore? Could they perhaps, I mean, all kids are great on technology. Could they go and and teach older folks how to use their phones so they can FaceTime and call their grandchildren or, or Zoom or whatever? There are so many things that kids are good at that they enjoy doing that they could volunteer and give those gifts and share those gifts with others. And in so doing, back to our original piece of this conversation, how great it will make them feel. The sense of responsibility. Someone's counting on them. Someone learned something because of them. Again, giving them some agency, like not acting like they're a burden all the time (laughs) and they're lazy and they're, no, you have something really valuable. You have talents and gifts and skills. How can you share those with an organization or with an individual that will get something for it and that their burden will be eased? They will feel better. They will feel happier. And that will make you feel so great. Once they hit on that thing, they're going to want to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. And so instead of saying, go volunteer at the soup kitchen, No, actually ask your kid what it is they like doing, what they want to be doing, how they maybe could recruit some friends to do it with them, and then let that sort of, you know, ignite that spark for them. And they're going to want to continue to do that work. Absolutely. 
This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever, and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you, and you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I remember in high school, speaking of your 30 hours of service work, I don't remember how many hours we had to do, but we did have to do a certain amount of hours. And I remember... I can't remember if it was our junior or senior year that we did this, but I do recall it was so integrated into the school programming that I knew that it was coming and I knew what some of the other people had done. And I was so excited about certain things. And I remember being like, I hope I can get this certain thing. And the thing I wanted to do was volunteering um, at Seattle Children's Hospital with in the oncology unit. Mm -hmm. And speaking like to your point around kind of knowing like, what's the thing where you think you have gifts and talents. I was a kid who started babysitting when I was nine years old, which is I would never send my, my son with right. nine, like would not have been sending him next door to take care of the new baby. But anyway, I was babysitting at nine, loved, loved, loved kids. I mean, this was, I was so excited to be able to do this. And so I think that I hear your point around finding the thing that naturally lends to a skill, a talent, just something that like is of interest versus saying like, you have to go do this thing. You're going to be assigned to this spot. I do think right. it makes such a big difference. The other thing that came to mind when you were speaking is when we think about the things that we schedule for our kids, our very overscheduled kids, it's so centering them. And my son the other day, he's gotten really obsessed. I think it's probably the right word, obsessed with baseball. And so we're working through the season where he's had a really great spring season. His team is in the playoffs right now. And he has the opportunity to be on this all-star team this summer, which is like a really, really big deal. But we're walking to school the other day and he's talking about the all-star stuff. And he's like, well, yeah, like when you order my hoodie and when you do this and when I have to buy this new thing. And I was like, excuse me, hold on. Like you're just assuming because you have qualified for something that we are going to move family vacations, buy you all this new gear, 
harder, like do all this stuff. And he's just like, super matter of fact, like, yeah, like let's go. Of course. Dude, like, (laughs) We really, I mean, we've, to some extent, we've done these kids a disservice. You know, I dare say that wasn't the way that, you know, that I was oh, raised. Totally, totally. Well, and I think with him, one of the things, cause and he, he already has in his mind, like where he wants to go to high school and college. And mm-hmm. both of them are places where we'd have to fill out applications and like be a quote unquote, well-rounded student. And so I had to say to him, like, this is a part of your life. This is not your entire life. Right. And by the way, like the high school that you want to go to, they're going to be minimally impressed by like the, your one sport. And so what else, like, we also need to be thinking about what else do you want to do? And not again, because I'm, we're going to be saying like, you have to do this and check a box and it has to be, you know, feel like quote unquote work, but just being able to like create a well-rounded child who can feel that reward of not just doing something for themselves and that's performance-based, but doing something that is that giving back. And I, the word that the helper's high, I would, I put here in my notes, like feeling that helper's high and feeling the rewards of that. And then having a desire to continue to cultivate that and versus like, I'm just going to try out for all the things and get all the hoodies with my name on the back. Right. (laughs) We need more hoodies, but you know, you raise, you raise a really good point. And and this brings me to, you know, I'll get a call from a father who says, my son is really into squash. He plays the game of squash. Can you help me figure out a way that he can give back to the community in terms of squash? So as I hear this about your son, like, okay, so he's so into this and he, he loves, he loves to do this sport. How could he take that passion? He already has a passion. How could he take it and share it with other kids, maybe who don't have the opportunity to play the game at a high level? Could he collect used um, baseball equipment, the gloves, the helmets, the bats or whatever that are, you know, that are literally being recycled by his team that are sitting in our garage that are (laughs) sitting in your garage, you know, a glove that he's outgrown, for example, Mm -hmm. how could he start a donation drive of baseball equipment? How could he then work with a boys and girls club or another club in your community an under-resourced place or school that is helping kids to be able to play the game of baseball? And then how can he maybe go over and teach some of the skills to the kids? And what a wonderful feeling for him when little kids are looking up to him and he's teaching them the best way to get better at something is to teach someone else how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I, again, if someone says to me, my kid has no interest except for this, I say, well, how can you take that? And I promise you, you name anything your kid likes to knit. I can promise you there's a way that your kid can knit something for someone else. Your kid plays squash. Your kid plays a sport. They're a great singer. They can go sing at the nursing home. You know, Pretty much every skill, every talent, everything that your kid enjoys doing can somehow be turned into a way to help somebody else. And that's what you have to be a little creative. You have to spend a little time. It might be a little bit of research. It is worth it because it, again, it's, ex- it's an example for your kids of what is really important about this. Aren't we so lucky that we get to play baseball and get a new hoodie? That's amazing. Now, how can we take this thing that we love? and share it with somebody else and make ourselves even love it even more. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Can we talk just for a minute about hope? <laughs> and wow. <laughs> I'm, I know I'm like, we have like just a few minutes left, but let's just, let's solve the problem of hope in the world. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Optimism. So, and the reason I want to bring this up is I know that there's been so many times, especially in the last few years where like the hope tank can run a little low. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the things I've actually been talking about around mental health on the show a few times in the last couple of months is that I'm not a person that is susceptible to feeling hopeless. Luckily, I'm, I'm grateful that my mind doesn't typically go there, but there's a lot of times in the last few years where I've ha- felt much less hopeful. Right. And so where I'm not like all the way to hopeless, 
I'm like, how do we maintain this hope? And so I think it's really important. One of the things that has been so meaningful to me is to be engaged in meaningful work. There are times in the pandemic when I produced this podcast for free with no advertisers, no sponsors, like really worked a 40 hour work week. And I was like, I'm not getting paid, but you know what? Like I'm getting reviews and this is meaningful to people and this feels good. So I'm going to keep doing it. A lot of people who were in this industry with me at that time didn't keep going, which is totally fine, but it just wasn't Mm -hmm. meaningful to them. It didn't fuel them in the same way. So I want to talk a little bit about for me, like continuing to do meaningful work is the thing that gives me hope, whether or not I'm being paid for it. Can you talk about being in service-oriented work and how that helps us kids maintain hope. Absolutely. Well, I mean, again, back to the podcast, you know, when I'm feeling low (laughs) and I get on a call with a kid who says just the most amazing things about their project or why they started doing their project, I get off the phone and I have a smile on my face and I think, oh, thank God. You know, if every single person threw up their hands and said, well, I can't possibly fix it. This problem is so big. And I'm sure that our young people, I know our young people feel that way. Like, look at the problems of the world, my God, just the environment, just homelessness, poverty, like you name it, it is Mm -hmm. so overwhelming. But if everyone threw up their hands, then nothing would get done. But if everyone did one tiny thing, right? If every single person committed to doing one tiny thing, maybe we can move the needle. And that is absolutely my whole ethos. And this is what I share with teens and with adults and with everyone, like, you know, start where you, not to quote Arthur Ashe, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. That's it. it. Start in your home, start in your neighborhood, help your literal next door neighbor. You Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) your kid is already shoveling the front walk. Tell them you're going to shovel a few feet that way and a few feet that way. So your neighbor can get Mm -hmm. out this morning too. Like there are just so many ways that we can be kind to one another and that will fuel us and help us see that there is like a brighter future if we can just harness this and get everybody to think the same way. I will tell you that when I was started writing this book for the teen, the teen book, which was my second book, I got the contract in like February of 2020. And I was supposed to write it. Full of hope. I had to write it from, no, it gets better. I had to write it from March 1st of 2020 to June 1st of 2020. That was my window. Wow. And the whole world shut down. I thought we were all going to die. Right. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I got sick right away. We live in New York city. We were sick on the 18th of March and it was terrifying. And I thought to myself, why am I writing this book about this very soft subject, which is kindness and service and helping teens to spark their purpose and passion when the world is literally on fire. Mm -hmm. And does anyone care? Am I just like a voice in the wilderness? And I really lost hope. And then slowly, slowly, slowly with my kids in the house, (laughs) locked into our house where we started making blankets for people. We started sending pizzas to the local emergency room, right? We started writing letters. I mean, all of those little things that people started doing in your community, just these little tiny things, hanging out the window in New York City and and banging the pots and pans at seven o'clock for the first responders. It starts to give you some hope and some optimism because in the absence of that and gratitude to the people who are putting their lives on the line, the first responders, in the absence of that, I don't know how we would have gotten through it, quite honestly. And so that writing the book, publishing the book, meeting the kids, starting the podcast, hearing their stories every week. Wow. That really, really gives me me hope for the future. And so again, this work is about connecting to other human beings and saying to myself, whatever my problems are, and they are many, <laughs> and however I'm feeling today, and it might be kind of lousy, there is something that I can offer to another person 
that will ease their burden, that will make them happy. And I should be able to do that to get out of my own head and stop gazing at my own navel. And I promise you, it will make you feel better. And so um, that's just what I tell kids. This is it. We can't all give up and throw up our hands. And so the best way, the only way that I know how to feel better and to raise, you know, grateful, grounded and optimistic kids is to give them an opportunity to get out there and really make a difference and make an impact. And every single person can. It does not matter how much money you have, how much time you have. Every single person can make a difference. And I think that that's what gives me hope, sharing Mm -hmm. that message. (laughs) I love it so much. Oh my gosh. Perfect ending. (laughs) Can you tell people, Natalie, before we go, I have one more question for you, but before we go into our final question, tell people where they can find you, where they can get your books, podcasts, all the good things. And then we'll also link to everything in the show notes, but go ahead and shout out all the good stuff for us first. Yes, absolutely. So the books are available wherever you buy books, Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, all that good stuff. Um, My website is simpleaxeguide.com. So there are links to the both books there. And there's a link to the podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts. And that's called Simple Axe, Big Impact, Celebrating Teen Changemakers. And I just finished my first season. I have like 37 episodes and they're all great. They're all so different and they're all just they're just wonderful. And they're all with teen with kids. Only teens. So we have a little road trip this weekend and I'm like, we're going to download a few episodes. That'll be really fun. And they're short. They're short. They're like 12 to 15 minutes, which is like perfect. perfect. They tell their story. And I'm telling you, every single one is just, just amazing. They're all just amazing kids. Oh, I love it. So this weekend will be our volunteering indoctrination for my job. So we will link up to everything over in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Natalie Silverstein, and then we will link up to your website, to the podcast, to the books. And then on Instagram, your Instagram is at simple acts guide. Got it. Okay. That's in there as well. Oh my goodness. Natalie, this has been incredible. Final question. How are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Wow. This is a tough one. I am actually trying to take care of myself and give myself a little grace. And I am writing a lot more in just, you know, all kinds of things, fiction, essays. I'm on a writer's workshop that I really love. And I go on a bunch of different writers things. And I'm trying to take care of myself a little bit more and give myself some space to be creative and to Mm -hmm. not just only focus on this work, but to flex my creativity muscles in other ways. I love it. And when you open the door, when you, when we're always doing, it's hard to get into those creative mm-hmm. spaces. And then when you have that little open space for creativity, so much expansiveness happens. So I love Absolutely. that you're doing that for yourself. Natalie, oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. This has been such an incredible conversation. When you write the next book, which it sounds like you're working toward that, <laughs> you have to come back on the show and promote Absolutely. it. So next time I we'll do it, it in advance of the launch. We'll help you with the launch. That would be so much fun. Um, anything that we can do to support your work, the shameless mom Academy is here for you. So appreciate the work that you're doing. And thank you. I know that this episode is going to have ripples throughout so many communities because of the advice and um, guidance that you gave us today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was terrific. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash 
Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.